All right. Welcome back to the Empirical Preparedness Podcast. My name is Caleb Coleman, the, uh, I guess, host of this show. Uh, today, I want to talk nutrition and recovery, sleep, um, yeah, all things recovery, pretty much. Everything that, that's going to supplement my training uh, to, to get me back out there faster and and better prepared for the next training session. So, um, I want to st- start with the morning, I guess. That's probably the best deal. Um, so, first thing I do in the morning is drink a little bit of water. Uh, usually the very first thing I do when I wake up is roll over and drink some water. Mm been doing this for quite a while and i just notice it kind of just it gets me going it kickstarts me it's it's just that first thing that that gets me on the right track in the morning um and then i usually proceed to make my coffee and again all right let's back up for a second so right now over the last couple months i've been getting up um between 5 30 and 6 30 so 6 30 at the latest but sometimes I'll just push that back to 5.30 just because I'm feeling good, ready to wake up. Um, the sun is coming up earlier now with this the fall time change. So I like to get up early. I like to be up as the sun's coming up, if not a few minutes before. If the sun's already up, I feel like I started too late, which is what happened today because it's Sunday and I slept until 7.30. And the sun was already up and I just feel like I already wasted time. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I get up, we'll just say for the sake of it, 630 and drink my water, um, brush my teeth and proceed to make coffee. Now, what I like about this, so I make coffee French press style, um, which takes time. It's not set it and let it drip. Um, I actually have to, I have a process that I have to go through, which again, it gets me going. It gets me moving in the morning. And that's what I like about it. Kind of a little, just a morning ritual that I've just come to enjoy. So drink my water, make my coffee, um, get dressed and by about 7.15, 7.20, I'm ready to, to make breakfast. Um, now, every single morning, if I can help it, every single morning, I eat eggs and meat. Uh, either beef or lately I've had some venison because it's hunting season. I was able to get some venison. But at least four eggs and six or eight ounces of beef or venison in the morning um, ends up being about 800 calories and I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to go from about 7.30 till noon or one o'clock. I'm, I'm on it. Um, so that's kind of how I kickstart my day. And... I'll get I'll get around to the, the kind of the whole diet approach in a minute, I guess. Um, but that's where I get going, and then uh, 
I'm doing construction right now. So, you know, between eight and noon, I'm pretty active, um, building a deck right now. And I got a couple bathroom remodels we're doing. So, you know, moving around, burning a few calories, but I'm not, I'm not going hard. I'm not doing my, my running and my physical training first thing in the morning. I'm just working. So I work from about eight to noon and, um, feel good throughout that usually sipping on my coffee for those first couple hours throw it in a yeti cup and i drink coffee for about two hours in the morning or so and then lunchtime rolls around and i usually have something um another meat and a fat i'm doing an animal-based diet uh but not full carnivore i've found that i just can't I can't do the full carnivore diet. So I'll get back to that in a second and why it's, it's just a little bit too restrictive for me, but I'll have a meat and maybe a cheese, um, or maybe just a meat. Sometimes I'll just have some beef or just some venison, um, or maybe a meat in a, in a vegetable or I mean, not a vegetable. I don't, I haven't had vegetables in a while A fruit, bananas or apples, lately has been my go-to i eat a lot of bananas um i love bananas uh, they give me good energy the potassium it just i don't know it settles on my stomach well i have no issues with bananas so that'll be lunch is usually a meat and maybe a fruit um and i'll also during that time if i can i'll go ahead and take uh, a couple of supplements and here's all all that i'm taking I take fish oils and men's one-a-day multivitamin. And that's pretty much what I'm supplementing my diet with is fish oil and multivitamin. So at this point, go back to work for a couple hours. And once I'm done, once I get off work, what I like to do ideally is I'll have a snack. And then I'll get ready for my workout. So my snack will usually consist of um, fatty protein. I like, I've been eating sardines. Um, maybe I'll eat meat again, beef or venison, but I'll make sure I get some extra butter or some extra fat in there. Uh, I'll go really heavy on the rendered pork fat or the rendered beef, uh, beef fat, and I'll just load up on extra fat little more protein and uh or the sardines and that'll get me ready so the one thing that i take before and i've been doing this for about two weeks and i've noticed a difference what i really like to do is a salt water really heavy about a thousand milligrams of of pink himalayan salt water and then i add uh, creatine monohydrate, just pure creatine monohydrate, and pure L-citrulline. Now, these two supplements I love to take before my workout, and I've been using uh, L-citrulline and creatine for, for years. Um, and why I specifically like them. So the creatine, um, you can do research on it. I don't really want to get into all the ins and outs of it. But essentially, muscle recovery um, replenishing ATP in the muscle so that you have more energy 
throughout a workout. Also, um, dang, I apologize. Uh, my dog is just acting like she needs to throw up. I don't know what that's about. Let me, uh, apologize, apologize. Can I clean this up real quick? What is going on, Grace May? What is going on? You got a hairball? You got a hairball or something? Too much work. Okay, so the creatine for the replenishing ATP, muscle endurance, and also brain activity. Um, this is not medical advice. Don't quote me on this. Something about, I, I want to say DHA, but I don't know. Either way, it, creatine is supposed to be really good for brain activity, memory, um, and maintaining strong mental energy. So as far as I know, there are no negative side effects to creatine. I don't have any problems. As long as I drink plenty of water, I'm good to go. If I start lacking on my water, I will get a couple of little pimples. Uh, and that has been known. People have, have reported that throughout the years of creatine use is getting acne or zits, pimples um, on various parts of their bodies. I don't get it bad. One or two pimples if I don't drink enough water. I'll notice, but if I drink plenty of water, I'm good to go. And, um, and for the most part, I'm good about that, but I also sweat a lot. So we got our creatine and then the L-citrulline. So L-citrulline improves blood flow. Um, and I obviously like this for, if I'm running, then I'm getting good blood activation throughout my legs. I'm working out, I'm getting a good pump, I'm getting that blood to my whatever muscles I'm working that day. Um, and it just keeps me, I don't know, it makes me feel, uh, I just, I like, it. <laughs> that's about all I know. I ain't no doctor. I ain't a scientist. I ain't a biologist. I just use it. So that's that. The salt water, and I've, I've been doing this over the last couple of weeks, I'm fairly new to this, and this is all learning experience. All of this is new to me. This is all me kind of creating uh, new experiences, new experiences to, to learn from, see how my body reacts. I'm changing things left and right. But the last couple of weeks, I've been pretty consistent, and that's why I wanted to bring this up. The salt water um, boosts blood volume, I believe. Um, but it, it's been known to aid in runners, especially drinking large amounts of sodium. I mean, not large, but a thousand milligrams or so of sodium about an hour to an hour and a half before a workout or before a long run can boost that blood volume. And in conjunction with that L-citrulline, you just feel fresh. I feel good, recovered. I feel like my legs can go for a long time. And so that formula has, has really helped me. 
also with the sodium in my um the amount i sweat the amount that i'm moving throughout the day and then we'll get to later using the sauna i have to intake a lot of sodium i have to drink a lot of water um in order to maintain my hydration so i do my workout and lately i've been doing seven to nine mile runs per day um this week i got in about 25 miles run and 18 miles on a cycle plus a back and chest workout so i'm getting in some good good training volume throughout the week and i'm slowly building it up uh, as i'm preparing for this marathon i'm evaluating how much uh, i want to run versus how much i want to lift uh, right before this about a month ago before i started this marathon training before i signed up for the marathon i really thought that i wanted to do this murph prep and i just wanted to get you know crazy anaerobic endurance so that i could do a really fast murph and and really strengthen my back i was doing pull-ups every single day push-ups and and running fast and it was fun but then the i signed up for this marathon and i've kind of shifted to an aerobic approach and just in the last month i can already tell that i've my anaerobic capacity is is decent but I'm not doing the pull-ups and the push-ups like I was, and it, it's taken a hit just in a month. So I'm trying to figure out how I want to balance that. I don't want to lose muscle mass. I don't want to not be able to do, you know, my goal, is, a standard for me is 20 pull-ups, clean, dead hang pull-ups um, at one time. So 20 pull-ups is my standard. And about 70, I would like 60 to 70 push-ups at one time would be standard. Um, and I, I'm better at push-ups than pull-ups. But if I can even increase that and can do 80 or 90 at one time and 25 pull-ups, that would be ideal. But in order to push those numbers to that level, um, past 20 and past 70, I really have to train them every single day and I just haven't been, I've been, I've been running a lot more. So that's something I'm still trying to balance and trying to figure out is how much uh, of the calisthenics I want to incorporate into my running, running program. Um, so we'll kind of keep that posted. I'll kind of keep looking at those numbers. Um, Yeah, I'm really trying to increase my running volume right now, though. I've got a goal. Oh, if I didn't mention this, so I'm a little bit all over the place, but if I didn't mention this, I'm, I signed up for the Blue Ridge Marathon, which is supposedly, it's, it's rated as the hardest road marathon in America. Reason being is over 3,700 feet of elevation ascent, and then about the same for the descent. So 7,500 feet total of elevation gain and loss. That's, that's pretty significant for a road marathon over 26 miles. Most 
road marathons are fast and the, the goal is to keep them as flat as possible. You get rolling hills, but you know, these people are running two hours, two hours and 30 minutes on these marathons. And with 7,500 feet of gain and loss, I don't think that, uh, the numbers are going to be very fast. However, I'm training hills hard. I'm training my aerobic base hard and trying to get in the volume because my goal, regardless of this elevation, I want sub four hours. And sub four hours for this race would be huge. That would be that would be top according to last year's standards, last year's uh finish results, four hours would be the top eight percent of this race. And if I can do top 10% of this race, I'd be stoked. I'd be running a Boston qualifier next year. <laughs> um, maybe not, but either way, my point is like I'm, I've got five months or six months to train for this and I'm not letting off. My training is going to increase my recovery is going to inc- is going to you know well my recovery is good but I, I'm going to be on top of my recovery my nutrition nutrition my training and my goal is to crush this marathon four hours twenty six point two miles seventy five hundred feet of elevation gain and loss as a non runner <laughs> coming into this as a non runner anyway. So that's why I'm really looking at dialing in everything is because I've got a goal that I think is pretty, for me, is the top tier goal that I, that I want to achieve, but I don't think it's impossible. I mean, I'm shooting for it because it's not impossible. It's just the matter of putting in the work. Okay. Anyway, now that we've kind of clarified that. Let me get back to, um, so like I said, my training program is a lot of running, um, aerobic, but I'm also incorporating some speed training. Yesterday, I just hit my, I did a fastest mile on a track for the first time ever in my life. And my fastest mile with a headwind <laughs> on the back, the back 100 was brutal. Um, but I did that fastest one mile on a track in six minutes and 16 seconds. So that's my baseline for the one mile. Um, my seven miles, yeah, my seven miles in an hour right now. And, and I'm basically just trying to build that up. Um, my goal is a half marathon in 145. Um, I haven't actually run that distance yet. But either way, um, I'm setting baselines and I'm focusing on distance and time goals, incorporating speed as well as long distance aerobic training. And that's my current mindset, all while maintaining some level of upper body strength and muscle. I'm really don't want to lose what I have, but if anything, I want to gain continue to gain muscle in my back, 
and and shoulders and some key areas that that I use. Um, yeah. So I guess that leads us into the evening. Um, my dinner will again be some more protein, some more fats, and and then the last couple hours of the evening has been when I've been eating some carbs. And I don't know if this is good or bad. Um, it's kind of been experimental. It, it's been experimental to see if I can do my long runs without carbs. If I can go an entire day with zero carbs up until my evening run, how do I feel? How does my body react? And do I need carbs to run? Do I need carbs to to have a, a level of aerobic endurance or, or muscular endurance? Do I need that glycogen um, or do I need to restore that glycogen or am I good? Do I have the means to naturally restore the glycogen or the stores to just endure? So I don't know yet. That's I haven't done a run long enough. I mean, up until now, I've been good. So pushing two hour mark, three hour mark, I don't know yet. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. But I do eat carbs in the evening and the majority of my carbs come from fruit and honey. And I'll get to it in a second. The Yeah, fruit and honey. And I love fruit and honey. And I also eat that in the evening because it's kind of like that, you know, everybody... Everybody wants something sweet. Everybody's got that sugar craving. Um, and not that that's a good thing, I guess, but for me in the evening, I just want to eat something sweet. And a banana and honey is sweet and it's delicious. And that's just what I want. So I get some carbs before bed. And I crash out. I need to take a step back. Two aspects of recovery that I haven't talked about yet. Massage uh, gun, the little massage gun, and sauna. So... Sauna is absolutely incredible. From my own experience, but also from studies and and yeah, actual studies that have come out and doctors and biologists that have talked about the importance of a sauna. So from my personal experience, what the sauna has done is it has increased and benefited my actual cardiovascular system, my aerobic capacity has gotten better because of the sauna. My ability to control my breathing. My when I get in the sauna, and I started out at 10 to 15 minute mark when I first started, and then every single day I'll get in there and kind of either bump up my um try to stay in there just a little bit longer and get to 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and or 
sit closer to the heater. Further away from the heater, obviously, is, is not as hot. It's probably 165 degrees or so. Sitting on top of the heater is probably 180 or so, 185 maybe, literally on top, like as close to the heater as possible. So I've, I've gradually increased, and now sitting right on right next to the, the heating unit, as hot as it'll go, um, I can do 25 to 30 minutes. And I feel fantastic. I mean, at that point, I'm really um, getting to a point of, of having to control my breathing. But I've adapted to the heat. And um, what am I getting at? Let me backtrack for a second. So I like to hit 20 minutes. Every time I go in there, 20 minutes is my goal. 20 minutes is like up until there, I'm good. It's almost easy for me. But I recognize that according to studies, 20 minutes at least four times a week is extremely beneficial. Over a 50% reduction in all-cause mortality, heart disease, etc. My body stays between 100 to 110 beats per minute. My heart gets about 100, 110 beats per minute at that 20 minute mark 20 to 25 minutes my heart will bump up to the 120 130 beats per minute and now i'm starting to control my breathing i'm mentally and physically being stressed and i'm entering into a new place of of um, stress response in the sauna that forces me to get past that hump and then up to 30 minutes. Now my heart rate's up in the 130s, 140s. And my breathing is really being, um, really thinking about my my breath in order to control my heart rate and order not freak out. There's a, there's a stress that after a certain time, almost just you have to go. You got to get out of here. You're, you're going to kill yourself if you stay in 180 degree temperature for too long, right? Your mind is telling you that, but overcoming that, overcoming that obstacle, telling yourself, no, it's okay. Like, yeah, it's hot, but I'm not going to die. I know I'm hydrated. Um, and the door is right there. Like I can open the door at any point in time. It just, it, it just teaches you something about endurance and that level of of endurance has translated into actually running when i'm at that point during my run where my heart rate is too high where i'm really controlling my breathing and now my brain says dude you gotta stop you're gonna die no you're not you're just not okay you your your legs might hurt a little bit your breathing might be a little bit heavy, but guess what? You're still hydrated. Your lungs are still getting oxygen. Your legs are still moving. Everything's intact. You're going to be fine. You just have to endure for a little bit longer. So, what am I saying? The, the, 
stress response that comes from being in a sauna for an extended period of time, not just a beneficial period of time of 20 minutes, but pushing the boundaries to 30, 35 minutes. Um, my current longest is 36 minutes in the sauna. And that was a real mental challenge to push to that point. But pushing to that point is extremely beneficial and translates directly to running or any endurance activity. The other point to the sauna that I've noticed is the actual muscle, the muscle recovery. It's incredible how if I get in the sauna for 20, 25 minutes every single day and I'm still running, you know, nine, 10 miles, I virtually no soreness. And I never would have said that before. I would have run three or four miles and been it completely sore the next day. Like feel like I couldn't walk. That's just not the case. It, it doesn't exist in the anymore for me. So there's studies and Dr. Rhonda Patrick has a, a great study and um, some podcasts really talking about what she's learned about the sauna. And I would recommend listening to Dr. Rhonda Patrick talk about these topics because she, you know, she knows the actual science of it. But essentially the blood activation to the muscles, I don't know, helps them recover, I guess. <laughs> um, it's quite incredible. So I love the sauna. I'm, I'm glad that I have access to one at my gym. Um, and I just, I'm going to keep using it. Uh, now the massage gun, I've only recently been using that, uh, every once in a while. And I'd like to, I'd like to use it more, but that's, that's helped too, especially, you know, right after a run, or if I start to feel a couple hours after a, a run, if I start to feel like my muscles are tightening up just a little bit. I'll, I'll use that massage gun. I'll just work it out. And I don't, it's like, it's instant relief, uh, instant relief. And then I, I feel pretty good. So I think that's beneficial for anybody who, you know, maybe you're skeptical about it. I've always been kind of skeptical about the massage guns. Um, until recently there, I, I notice a difference in just a, the relaxation of the muscle when that, when it starts to get tight. And again, I, I don't have any scientific basis for this, especially the massage. I haven't even listened to a podcast about it. So I have no knowledge other than from personal experience, it works for me. So those are uh, some of my recovery tools that I, that I enjoy using. Um, when I finish the sauna, I go, I jump into a cold shower. I wish that I had a cold plunge, but I don't have access to a cold plunge. So I jump into a cold shower and a few things that I like about this for one, it just brings my, my core temperature back down to normal so that I can get dressed and not be continuing to sweat. But 
brings my core temperature back down, gets me out of that point of stress. Um, but it also helps me acclimate to the cold weather. It's cold right now. We've had lows in the 20s, highs in the 40s and 50s. And it's only going to continue to get colder. And when I take a cold shower almost every single day, I then go outside and I feel like, oh, this isn't even that cold. When last year I would have been freezing in 50 degrees, this year I'm comfortable in 40. So for me, that's one benefit is just the exposure to extremely cold water translates to being comfortable outside. And then when it's 40 degrees outside, I know I can still go for a run because I can endure that cold weather. Um, and I don't mind it. I've been running and I've been running in 40 degree weather. I ran in 36 degree weather the other day. And again, this is all relatively new to me, but I, I would have hated it before. And I'm starting to enjoy it. Not that I enjoy the cold weather, especially cold winds sucks, but the endurance, the ability to endure these types of stressors on the body is pretty cool. It's kind of exciting. It's fun to push the limits of what I'm capable of and continue to see results when I thought that the cold might slow me down. Actually, I'm faster in the cold. When I thought that, you know, whatever the case is, um, I've just been seeing results on different levels that are keeping me excited about training, keeping me excited about running. And a lot of it is coming down to nutrition and recovery that are then translating into the training. Um, I spend way more time on nutrition and recovery than I do on actual training. I'll do a 30 minute run and I'll still do a 30 minute sauna plus all the cooking prep. And so I think that that that's, what's been so important to me learning is stop focusing on the, not, not stop focusing on training, but, take a little bit of an emphasis off of the training and put a more of an emphasis on the recovery. And then you'll have consistency in your training. You'll be able to see the improvement in your training because you're recovered and ready to go harder, faster, longer than ever before. Um, so, let me kind of clarify my diet a little bit. I'm going to all in after what I mentioned with, which eat with each meal that I kind of eat, why low carb, why animal based and how has it worked so far? Well, it kind of started with, um, I guess it started with the seed oils when we talk about, so Paul, Dr. Paul Saladino, most may know, some may know, um, he's a bit a big advocate for this animal-based diet. And I do not agree with everything he says. That Right off the bat, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. 
However, the more I look into the animal-based diet, the carnivore diet, I have to agree with a lot of it. And here's what I agree with. Seed oils are not good. The process to take something, a, a plant seed, that we were not, we never ate. We In the wild, you would never eat it. We were never designed to eat it. Um, and then refine it to the point where you get a tasteless, flavorless oil out of it that was originally designed for lubrication of industrial machines, and now you're going to add it to food to eat for human consumption. It's not, we're, our bodies are not designed to break it up. There's zero nutritional value. Our bodies can't handle it. And this has created a lot of health problems within our society. Seed oils are, are no good. So that's where it started. Understanding what seed oils are, why do I not want it in my diet, and now I'm just trying to eliminate that. Well, everything has seed oils in it. <laughs> Go to the store and look at the ingredients list of an item, and 99% of items have seed oils in them to include these healthy protein bars and these healthy snacks, whatever, these healthy chips, these healthy, 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 quote-unquote healthy items at the grocery store. Turn it over and you're going to read sunflower oil, canola oil, vegetable oil. You're going to read these things. And I don't want those. So that was the first step in my mind was eliminating those. What does that leave me with? That leaves me with meat, vegetables, fruit, and that's pretty much it. Well, I learned a little bit about vegetables, and I don't think that vegetables are necessarily bad. I'm not, I'm not going to go out like some carnivores and say that they're bad and they're killing people, but I think that there are a lot of vegetables that one, have been hybridized to the point to make them edible. I've spent a lot of time in the woods, and there are not edible plants in North America, period. There's no edible plants. Like, I mean, virtually none. You eat a plant in the wild, you're going to get sick or die, and that's just part of it. So a lot of these plants that we're eating were hybridized over the course of a thousand or two thousand years and then grown on these farms so that we can eat them and they don't actually have a substantial amount of nutritional value if any um, especially compared to something like red meat and collagen and and organ meats from these animals that have all of the nutrients that we need. So it's not a matter of, is a plant going to kill me? No, it's more a matter of which plants can I pick and choose and say, hey, I really, really need this in my diet and I don't, I don't need this at all. It's a waste of my money to buy this. I don't need a filler food. And that's what some of these are within this health craze too, is filler food. 
if we sell people a bunch of greens, it's going to fill them up and they're going to lose weight or whatever the case is, right? If you eat spinach, you're going to lose weight because you're just getting full off spinach, but you're not actually getting any nutrients or calories. I don't want that. I'm not in a point of that. I need 4,000 calories a day. I just want meat and fat. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Also, what concerns me heavily with these vegetables is the pesticides and how early they're, they're actually harvested. So you got chemicals that are sprayed all over these plants so that the animals won't eat them. And then you harvest them so early on so that you can get them to the table, the consumer's table, as they ripen. If I'm going to eat a vegetable or plant, I want to pick it ripe and eat it ripe without pesticides in good soil that hasn't been destroyed over decades of, of, of chemicals. Uh, and so th- I guess that's where I'm at with the vegetable argument right now, currently, is I just don't care. I don't need those nutrients, whatever micronutrients are available in certain vegetables. I don't see it as beneficial enough for me to go out of my way to purchase and consume. Okay. With that being said, there are some fruits that I still enjoy. I really enjoy bananas, especially if I can get them as ripe as possible. I enjoy bananas. I enjoy honey, good raw honey, local if possible, but if not local, Nate's. I support Nate's raw unfiltered honey. Um, They're a Christian-based company, and they have good, raw, unfiltered honey. They even have an option, honey with honeycomb in a jar. So Nate's raw and unfiltered honey, I'll support them any day of the week. I think that, uh, and I'm not afraid of fructose. I'm not afraid of the carbohydrates in that fructose. I I like the, the natural elements. Um, the natural sugar from the honey, it gives me a good boost of energy. Um, it restores my glycogen levels that I may deplete throughout the day. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so that's where I'm at. That's why I've mitigated a lot of vegetables. That's why I'm, I'm Sticking right now with bananas and honey, um, some apples. I like some apples. Um, and then the meat, I kind of touched on this, but I, oh, I'll drink. So I drink some, I'll drink bone broth, which is delicious, by the way. If you don't like bone broth, get some bone broth, add some salt to it, and Drink it. Drink a cup a day. It's delicious. Collagen. You can't just eat muscle meat. You have to have the the aspects of the animal that people don't typically like 
the, the scraps, the throwaway, the things that we're feeding to our dog and our dogs are healthy and running fast. I want those. I want the bone marrow. I want the collagen or I want the collagen from the bone marrow, but I want the bone marrow. I want the fat. I want the, um, the gristle. All of these things have the micronutrients in them that my body needs. All the micronutrients that people are trying to get from vegetables that are covered in pesticides and, and chemicals, I'm getting from a source that is natural and that is clean. And when I eat it, has hopefully been unadulterated, right? It hasn't been processed. I know that this steak was cut off of this part of the animal at this point in time, and now I'm consuming it. And if I can, I like to hunt my own and get it as fresh as possible. In the case of this deer, went on this Missouri deer hunt trip, and my buddy was able to harvest the deer, and I got a good portion of meat from this animal that I now consume on a regular basis. If not every day, every other day, I mix in kind of some beef and some deer meat every other day in order to get these nutritional benefits. Um, and it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. So my current breakdown of macros, although it doesn't necessarily matter, it changes, it fluctuates, but I try to do about um, ends up being about thirty percent, thirty to forty percent protein, about sixty percent fat, and then there's about five, ten, or ten percent or so of carbs. Um, Sometimes my carb intake, actually yesterday my carb, my carbs got up to 20%. And here's a downfall. I can't explain this. I mean, maybe I can explain it with the, with the case of inflammation, but twice now in the last two weeks, my carbohydrate intake has increased over 20% of my total calories. When my carbohydrate increase, my carbs increase over 20%, approximately within that range. When I get to a certain level of carbohydrates, I have what's known as trigger finger and my right middle finger, and it locks up. Now, some people have said dehydration. Eh, here's my problem with that. I've been low carb and dehydrated, and I've had no problems. You know, I've gone on long runs. I've gone to the sauna, not properly hydrated afterwards, but maintained a low carb diet, less than 5% carbs, and I've had zero issues with my trigger finger. But when I eat more than 20% carbs, all of a sudden it activates. Like last night, I ate a lot of carbs yesterday, and this about three or four o'clock in the morning is when it starts just locking up. So explain that to me. If carbohydrates cause that that problem in that finger, like first of all, I need that hand, I need that finger to be agile, mobile, and I need to be able to use it when I can use it. And if it locks up, I'm talking like middle finger can't move it. 
then what do I do? I can't, I can't use that hand for that period of time. And I don't like that. So on top of the fact that it doesn't, it's not comfortable. It's a, it's a pain. It locks up. You can't move it. So that's where I'm at with my nutrition, my recovery, and a little bit of my training. So I'll try to get a little bit more into the training in, in, a, in a future episode. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts that I want to cover. But again, as I'm working through this, I'm trying to kind of organize and decipher how I want to get points across and, and where I want to go with this. I know to most people, this is probably just Caleb's rambling again, and that's fine. I don't, you know, a lot of this is a record for me, and that's just what it's going to be is just my own record of, of my life, I guess. But if people want to listen and learn from me and and see what's going on in my life, then that's cool too. I'm I'm okay with that, I guess. Um. So anyway, I guess that's where we're at. Um. I'll wrap it up here. I don't know what else I've got to say. I went through I went through a day and and kind of a week in my life. Yeah. All right. With that said, this is Empirical Preparedness, out.